0: Hey everyone, I am Reva and just want to take a moment and thank you for listening to our studio podcast. Although we are here in Greenville, South Carolina, we are grateful for your support to see the message of Jesus go out all over the world. In case you are not aware, we have a YouTube channel, which you can find the link in our podcast bio. We hope you enjoy this week's talk and it encourages you and it helps you to be the human God designed you to be. So with that, let's get right to it. That may have been the most thorough introduction I've ever had in my life. You covered everything, so thank you for that. Uh, I love, love running with Eric and Candace, some of our favorite people on the planet, and it is an honor to be here. Friends are a gift. I tell Eric all the time, if things don't work out in Reading, I'm moving to Greenville. Uh, my motto, my motto is, if not Reading, Greenville. So I'm thinking we should make a hoodie or something. If not Redding, Greenville, uh, we could make some money off those hoodies. Uh, So uh, it it is... No, I'm serious, right? Come on. If not Redding, Greenville. um, I love being here. We're going to have fun. We're going to have fun. Uh, Let me just uh, pray. God, I um, I ask right now that as we've come... God, expectant to worship, God, that we would come expectant to word. God, as we've encountered your presence, God, in the worship, would we encounter your presence in the word? God, I'm asking, God, even as I uh, preach this morning, God, that you would raise up a, a people, God, in this church as expectant to come to your word as we are to worship. As expectant to encounter the presence of Jesus. And so God, I just ask that by your spirit, you would flood this place. God, as I do my best to find words, that Jesus, the word himself would come. That's my prayer, that, that as I offer words, the word himself would, would come. We don't need more words. We need the word. That Jesus, the word himself would come and he would walk Among this community, and that we would hear his voice, we would encounter his spirit, his word. And I pray this, your name, Jesus, Amen. amen. If you would turn to Luke chapter 24, verse 13, Jesus has been crucified. Early the next morning, the women went to the tomb. And they found that the stone had been rolled away. They stood at the entrance of the tomb, and then it says the women went in. I think there are some of us, we come to the entrance of God, but we don't actually go in. The the women, they came and they saw, but they actually went in. Some of us, we we live outside the empty tomb, but we never actually go into it. The Bible says the women, they went in, and as they did, two angels appeared. And these angels, they told the women, uh, Jesus isn't here. He's risen from the dead. The women, they, they ran back, and they found the disciples. They found the men. And the Bible said that they told the men that Jesus had risen from the dead. The Bible says that to the men, it sounded like nonsense. Us men are always missing it, aren't we? Uh, The whole point of this resurrection story is, listen to the women. (laughs) Men, if you're taking notes, write that down. Listen (laughs) to the women. Then in verse 13, it says this. That same day, uh, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. I'm convinced that in this moment, Jesus, who's walking next to these two disciples, they can't see Jesus because he's wearing a hoodie, Okay, this is good biblical hoodie theology. The disciples, they can't see Jesus. He's wearing a hoodie. I I haven't parsed out these words in the original language, but I'm sure it would be something like that. Uh, Jesus himself begins walking with them. He asked, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stop short, sadness written across their faces. Uh, One of them, Cleopas replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all these things that have happened these past few days. Jesus asked this question, what things? As if Jesus doesn't know what happened to Jesus these past few days. What things? I love this about Jesus, that even though he has all the answers, he asks questions. What things? Tell me. Jesus loves the conversation. Jesus doesn't just show up and try to fix us or try to give us answers. He loves the conversation. They respond these things that happened to Jesus who was a prophet and did powerful miracles. They say these words, "We had hoped he was the Messiah." We had hoped. Uh, then Jesus uh, said to them, "You foolish disciples, Why do you find it so hard to believe all the prophets wrote in the scriptures? Wasn't it clear that the Messiah would suffer before entering glory? Then Jesus, in verse 27, took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining, expounding is the word there, the scriptures concerning himself. By this time, they were nearing Emmaus at the end of their journey. Jesus pretends as if he's going on and they beg Jesus, come, stay with us. I love that moment. Jesus will not force himself upon us. Jesus pretends to go on. And when they invite him, he comes. Jesus comes where he's invited. They say, Jesus, come. And as they sat down to eat, Jesus took the bread, blessed it, he broke it, he gave it to them. Suddenly their eyes were opened and they saw him. And in that moment, Jesus disappeared. They said to each other, weren't our hearts burning within us as Jesus walked with us and explained the scriptures to us? Within the hour, they were back on their way to Jerusalem. There they found the 11 disciples. They gathered and declared with them, the Lord has risen, just as he said. Here's this famous story of the two disciples who are walking out of Jerusalem. They're leaving where it's at. Jerusalem is where Jesus has risen from the dead. Jesus, who was crucified, is alive. Risen from the dead, Jesus, is walking alongside these disciples. Everything is happening the way that Jesus said it would happen, and here they are walking out of Jerusalem. One of the things I love about Jesus, and is fascinating in this Luke 24 moment here, they're leaving Jerusalem, and Jesus walks with them out of town. Jesus walks with us in the wrong direction. Have you ever wondered what Jesus is doing here? Everything that Jesus is doing is in Jerusalem. Here's these disciples. and Jesus walks with them no matter where we are in life, no matter what we've done. Jesus walks with us in the wrong direction. Jesus doesn't wait for us to clean up our lives. Jesus doesn't wait for disciples to come back. He walks, he brilliantly, profoundly can walk with people in the wrong direction. If the church learned to walk with people in the wrong direction, if we could come alongside people in confusion and in shame and in fear, if we're waiting for a generation to come to church, they will live and die without Jesus. God's raising up a people who are brave enough and courageous enough to actually walk with people in the wrong direction. And what does Jesus do here? Jesus opens up the scriptures. Jesus talks about Moses and all the prophets. Can you imagine Jesus himself talking about Moses? It's one thing to hear Candace preach about Elijah. Could you imagine Jesus talking about Elijah? Jesus, he opens the scriptures To these disciples. Later on, they will say, Weren't our hearts burning as he opened the scriptures, as he explained, as he talked about Moses and Elijah and Elisha, as as Jesus himself expounded the scriptures? Weren't our hearts burning within us? Uh, Eric asked me to speak into this, this theme strong faith, contagious hope, and enduring love and specifically to share a bit of my journey and love for the Word. One of the things that has kept me in faith, that's kept me in hope, that's kept me in love, is my devotion and my life in the Word. The the Word for me has been one of the places that God has met me in the most consistent and faithful of ways. And what I love about this Luke 24 vision here is is I'm convinced that when we read the Bible, when we pray the Bible, when we proclaim the Bible, when we preach the Bible, when we do the word, we love worship, but when we do word, Jesus himself comes. Jesus opens the scriptures to us. Jesus himself, as we, as we cultivate a life in and around the word, that, that Jesus comes. Luke 24 is an invitation. Luke 24 is a vision of Jesus himself opening the scriptures. We're not our hearts burning within us as Jesus himself expounded, explained the word to us. We don't read the Bible for Jesus. We read the Bible with Jesus. Father comes. Holy Spirit comes. Jesus himself comes. As as we learn to build our lives around the word, we are like these disciples that, that as we Spend our lives in and from the Word. The Word Himself comes. So uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he says it like this. He calls this the incarnation or the sacrament of the Word. At Bonhoeffer, he writes, he believes. That as we experience the word, that Jesus, the word himself, comes. He says it this way. The real presence of the word is in the ordinary reading and praying and preaching of the word. The written and proclaimed word is the incarnate Christ himself. Through the Holy Spirit, the, the word Jesus comes to us through Scripture. He says this, it is the one and the same word, the word of creation, the word of incarnation, and the word of the holy scriptures. It is the creating, accepting, reconciling word of God for whose sake the world exists. The word names sin. The word proclaims life, forgiveness, reconciliation. He goes on and on to talk about the experience of Jesus Himself when we read and we experience the Word. I guess one way to say it is: there's something that happens in the Word that doesn't happen in Netflix. Okay, when I when I submit myself, there's something that happens when I binge the Word. that doesn't happen when I binge Hulu. Yeah. There, there's a way that Jesus Himself, the real presence, what I first say, the real presence of Jesus, we, we experience, we don't come to the Word to memorize the Word, we come to the Word to get the Word Himself, the person of Jesus. Yeah. Bonhoeffer actually says this, that as we preach the word, Jesus himself actually comes and walks among the congregation. He walks among the body, putting his hands on people and imparting his words to them. As a preacher, I've experienced this. There are times I preach something and after the gathering, someone will come to me and go, man, what you said like changed my life. I will ask, what did I say? They will say something I didn't say. I never said that. Because I'm convinced that somehow I offer words, but Jesus is standing right there. He takes my words, makes them his words, and puts them in people. When I'm preaching and the message is like completely falling apart, I look for Jesus. There you are. Help. Help me. Uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones says it this way, when we come to the word, Christ is present. And something of... The substance of God is in the atmosphere. The the atmosphere, the presence of God, as we come to the word of God. Uh, Tozer says it this way, the Bible is not an end in and of itself, but a means to bring us into an intimate and satisfying knowledge of God, that we may enter into God. That we may delight in his presence, taste and know the inner sweetness of the very God himself in the core and center of our hearts. Come on. Anyone want to experience the Bible like that? The inner sweetness of God in the core of our hearts. Uh, Jesus rebukes uh, the religious leaders in John 5. He says, You've searched the scriptures but you never came to me. So it's possible for us to actually know the word and not know the word. It's possible for us to, to experience the word and not experience the word. We can search the scriptures and miss the presence of Jesus. The opposite is true as well, that we can come to the Word and actually experience the Word of God. This, this Hebrews 4.12 says this, that the Word of God is living and active and it pierces our hearts, it exposes our hearts, that, that there is a living, active presence of Jesus in the Word. Yeah. So I'm 21 years old and... I have this roommate named John, and my roommate's seeking God, and he's reading his Bible every morning. I'm slowly getting hungry for God, and so I say to my roommate, hey, would you you wake me up? I want to seek God with you. I'm a bit jealous that he's seeking God, and I'm not. I said, would you wake me up? He said, yeah, I'll wake you up. So the next morning, he wakes me up, and I was so tired, I fell back to sleep. The next day, he wakes me up. I woke up. I was so tired, though, I went back to sleep. A few days later, I said, hey, listen, wake me up. He looks at me and says, wake yourself up. A few weeks later, uh, God woke me up. It's one thing when your roommate wakes you up. It's one thing when you wake you up. It is another when God wakes you up. Guys, I can't explain what happened to me. I had an experience with Jesus at 21. I wanted nothing to do with Him. I wanted nothing to do with church. I wanted nothing to do with the Word of God. I woke up, and He's all I wanted. I felt called to experience the God of the Bible. I had this this renewed desire (laughs) I had spent my whole life in church, but, but didn't really know the word. I grew up hearing the sermons, but, but I, I didn't really know the word. And God put this desire, this passion in me. I had no idea where to start. I, t- I talked with a friend of mine, and he says, you, you start in Ephesians. And for some reason, I believed him. He's like, that's where you start. And I'm like, that's where you start? Like, okay. Like, how does he know? How does this guy know where to, you know what I mean? Like, well, you start in Ephesians. Like, everyone knows that. I didn't know that. It's like, I've read lots of books. And every book I've ever read, I start with the first chapter. No one's ever given me a book and they're like, hey, start on chapter nine. It's awesome. He's like, start Ephesians. And I'm like, I don't know better. So I start in Ephesians. I did what every follower of Jesus should do. I bought a highlighter. <laughs> and I thought to myself, every time I sense God saying something to me, I'll highlight it. i read Ephesians for months. I spent, I couldn't get enough of the God of Ephesians. Ephesians 1, before the foundations of the world, I chose you and I love you. Ephesians 2, you were dead, but now you're alive in Christ. Ephesians 3, may God, by his power, as all God's people should, may you know how high and how great and how deep the love of God is for you. Ephesians 4, walk worthy of the call of God that each one of us have this unique way that we reveal Jesus. Ephesians 5, be filled with the spirit of God. Ephesians 6, be strong in the Lord. Put on the full armor of God that you might be able to stand against the schemes of the enemy. I highlighted. Ephesians, so many times the entire book was highlighted, which turns out defeats the purpose of highlighting. (laughs) So I bought another Bible. I started reading Ephesians again. I would wake up every morning and I'd go to this place called uh, Barnes and Noble. It's this... uh, it's like a bookstore, but there's coffee there. I'd go to this place called Barnes and, and I, would, I would read the Bible and I would pray the Bible. I would journal the Bible. My heart would get so gripped in these moments that I, I couldn't sit still and I would, I just I would walk around Barnes. I would just pace the aisles praying the book of Ephesians, praying it deep into my soul. Until one day, the, the manager of Barnes & Noble confronted me in an aisle. She said, you stop what you're doing. I didn't know what I was doing. How did she know what I was doing? What am I doing? I don't know what I'm doing. She's like, you stop what you're doing. And I was like, what am I doing? She said, you're praying. I know what you're doing. You're praying. And I'm like, busted. And I'm like, I couldn't lie. Do you know what I mean? Like, when you're praying, you can't lie. You just can't. I wanted to. I'd be like, no, I'm not. But you can't. Like, prayer has a way of of helping us not lie. (laughs) So I got, honestly, I got almost kicked out of Barnes & Noble. Okay, listen. You're not a follower of Jesus until you get confronted in Barnes and Noble. <laughs> so I went to Starbucks down the street. I started praying around Starbucks because they're fine with that kind of stuff. Uh, I'm newly married and and I have this, this new found hunger for the word. I can't get enough. At this point, I'm, I'm reading Exodus now. I've graduated <laughs> Ephesians I've highlighted, I'm convinced God has nothing more for me in Ephesians. That's not true. I go, to, I go to Exodus. I don't know why. I don't know why. That's the second book in the Bible. Why not Genesis? I went to Exodus, and, and I just couldn't get enough of, of Moses and this encounter at the burning bush. And, and so um, I, I get married, and for, for my first year of marriage, almost every night, this was a strange season, but almost every night, God would wake me up around midnight. I would get up out of bed, and I would go into a room on the other side of our house, this apartment at Eastway, and I would go into this room, it became kind of a prayer room, a, a worship room, and so I would get up night after night. This went on for almost a year. This, God would wake me up, and I would go into this room, and I would put on worship music, and I would just read Exodus. I fell asleep to Exodus countless times. Okay, so I'm newly married. My wife's waking up in bed. Where's my husband? Okay, this is, I'm I'm not recommending this to any of you, but countless nights I'm falling asleep over the Bible in this room in our house as I'm really encountering the God of the Exodus. A few weeks later, I I meet with my dad at Red Robin. My dad had pastored in our city for years. I I was still dealing with some of the shame of the the years that I ran from God, the years that I had partied. I I was a bit embarrassed. There was this shame thing that kept surfacing, especially with my dad. Like I had met Jesus and I'm pursuing Jesus, but I'm looking at my life and all these wasted years and I'm sitting with dad at Red Robin and we're processing what, what God's doing in my life. And I, I remember saying, dad, why didn't you? I, I'm reading Ephesians and I'm reading Exodus. And why didn't you tell me? Why, why didn't you tell me that, that, that I'm in Christ? I'm having this talk with my dad. I'm, I'm in Christ and Christ is in me and I'm seated in the heavenly places with Christ. Like I'm 21. Why didn't you tell me? My dad looks across the table and says, I have told you your whole life, but God opened your heart to hear it. In Acts chapter 16, there's this verse that says that Paul preached the word. And there was a woman named Lydia. The Bible says Lydia heard the word. The next verse says God opened her heart to the word. It's not enough For us to hear the word, God has to open our hearts. I mean, I'm preaching the word this morning, and some of you are hearing it. Some of you are experiencing it, right? It's not enough to just hear it. God opened her heart. This is the vision. This is the invitation of the Bible. The Bible is not God, but the Bible is one of the most faithful, consistent places where God will speak to us. And this imagery of of the Bible, I uh, I love the the story of of Moses. That when Moses turned aside, God called to him. Exodus chapter 3. He's 80 years old. He's spent 40 years running from God. It is never too late to turn aside. It is never too late to fall in love with the God of the Bible. 80 years, he turns aside and, and God calls to him from a burning bush. I'm convinced, this is imagery, but I'm convinced that the, the Bible is a burning bush or a burning book for a generation. Yeah. If we will turn aside, we, we could talk about the Bible as an anchor. It is true. We could talk about the Bible as a story that moves us. We could talk about the Bible as a lamp that guides us. Billy Graham used to say, if we're ignorant of God's word, we're ignorant of God's will. The the Bible, it it leads us and it moves us and it anchors us. But it also, the Bible as a fire revives us. Psalm 19.7 says this, your word revives my soul. Jeremiah 29 he says this your word was like a fire in my bones the word of god like a like a fire i'm convinced that in our day of political polarization sexual confusion gender dysphoria marriage fallout deconstruction theological drift in that day this narrative has never mattered more in our day of competing narratives choose your own adventure theology in in our day these disciples on their leaving listen when when we get isolated we get lost and when we what Jesus says to the disciples in Luke 24 he says it was so clear the gentle rebuke to the disciples is it he's like i love you so much i will just follow you in the wrong direction until you encounter me and you come back the gentle rebuke is uh it was Really clear. Okay, I want to say this. It's important. It's not that the. It's not that it's not in the Bible. It's that many of us aren't in the Bible. When we don't know our story, we make up our story. We write our own narrative. There's a generation right now, and they're they're writing their own narrative. They're. There, there's, a, there's a spirit at work to cause a generation to come into a story that God never designed for them. But it's not that it's not clear. It's that sometimes we aren't clear. And when we when we lose our story, we lose our hope. And I'm convinced there's an invitation to the church again to anchor themselves, to build their lives around this fire. Something contagious happens when you build your life around the word of God. We took our family camping a couple years ago, and I remember this moment as night fell, sitting in front of my tent, there was a massive fire pit in the middle of the campsite, and one guy walks over and just starts to build this fire, and I'm sitting there just watching him as he just builds this fire and it's a little flame and the flame grows. And then, and then as this fire gets ignited, people from all over the camp come and begin to gather around the fire. When your life, listen, when we build our lives around the fire of the word, it draws others because people are aching to find themselves in a story that matters. Yeah, They're longing to, to encounter the Jesus, the, the presence of Jesus. Listen, long before God called me to the, the preaching of the word, he called me to the presence of the word. Yeah. So I just wanna, I wanna pray into it just a few things right now that, that I feel like God wants to do. I wanna pray... First, for those, I feel like there's, there's some God wants to renew love for the Word. Like Moses who turned aside. There, there are some, it's time to turn aside again. Like a, a renewed love. If that's you, if you would just stand. If you're here and there's a sense of, God, I want that. I want renewed love. Or you sense even this morning as we're preaching on it, there's like, man, I've got to an anchor in my life. A, a, a renewed love for not just the Word, but the Word a renewed desire to encounter the presence of Jesus in the Word. If that's you, just stand. I think there. Are, I think there are some here. I'm going to pray for that renewal. I think for some it's renewal. For some it's repentance. There are, and I know this is a harsh word, but there there are people in here. I sense the Lord saying, "It's it's time not just renewed love, but repentant love." And and this is why there are some of you that. That you're, you're just living your own story. You're living your own story. This, this, this story is meant to define and direct your story. But there are some of you you are just you're doing your own thing, you're building your own kingdom. You're you're just, I feel like there's, there, there are people here that it's just your career, it's your thing. And I feel like there's an invitation this morning to repent, like the disciples who they turned around. For some, it's turn aside, renewal. Others, it's turn around. There are some in here that your life isn't anchored in this word at all. It's not a part of your life. And I feel like there's a grace right now to go, God, I will, I will turn and and I will lay down my story. I know it's, it's, I will lay it down because I need your story to define and direct mine. If that's you, if I know that's a heavy word, but I just feel like there's, God's going to do something in your life if you'll be honest and go, I'm actually living my own story. If that's you, just stand where you're at. I want to pray just for a couple more things, and I want to pray for, I felt like I was supposed to pray for fathers. I saw a vision of fathers. Uh, like, building the word altar in their homes. Okay, this is going to sound so simple, but dads who read the Bible. Dads who read the Bible. I, I think some of our sons and daughters are, are leaving the church, not because they didn't see God in the church. It's because they didn't see God in their homes. If you're here, I, I feel like I'm supposed to commission fathers. If you're here and you're a dad... And, and you're, um, you want a commissioning to build the, the, like the word altar to just read your Bible. Do your kids ever see you in this story? I get home from work and my wife's like, I, I, read just, I read all over the place. My wife reads through the Bible every year. And I'll come home and I'll go, what you doing? And she'll say, I'm reading Habakkuk. Nothing more sexy than a wife who reads Habakkuk. But she's, bi- she's built the, the word altar in our home. Our kids have seen her a thousand times in this story. And again, we can read it and miss him, but we can also read it and, and overflow him. If you're a dad, just stand where you are. I want to pray for dads in a second that just feel called to, to build. I feel like like Elijah built an altar and God sent fire. Dads, fathers, I just I hear the Lord saying, if you'll build, if you'll build the altar, I'll send fire in your home. If you'll go there, I'll send fire. God will not build the altar for you, dads. That was from the Lord. <laughs> and then the last thing is this: I, I feel like there's couples that there there's, there's a few couples in this church that are called to. To cultivate, like it's almost like a word study or a Bible study. I feel there's couples that God's asking you to gather people, gather next generation, gather sons and daughters around the world. Thanks for listening to today's talk. If you're interested in learning more about studio here in Greenville, you can go check out our website, studiogreenville.com, and you can give us a follow on Instagram. Our handle is studio.greenville. Have a great week.